0: I just can't believe it's already, you know, the 25th. Yep. Nobody's been on a wreck yet. I don't
1: know. Oh, Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed, weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scoob obsessed episode 247 was recorded live june 25th 2015 welcome back to scuba obsessed i'm darren jolson coming to you from the west side of michigan where we are celebrating the longest day of the year or at least just passing it. And joining me this week, we have Mac, the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. And we were just commenting June 20, was it, Is it 26th? I, I said 25th in the intro. 25th it is. Yeah, 25th. And it, it mentally, I'm convinced summer's over with. Fourth of July is next weekend. Yeah, Fourth of July is next weekend. Well I've got, this one, but, yeah, so i've yeah. got I've got two weeks of work and then I'm on vacation i go get I go feed the mosquitoes at summer camp and then I've got a couple more weeks, a little bit of traveling for work and then we've got the youth fair and then you got like another week and then you've got labor day I, so when you start I, counting I just, up weekends, Yeah,
0: Ashkash is right around the
1: corner yeah it it's all it all happens. It doesn't take long you know once you get through the you know this the graduation season, which I think has kind of wound down for us this last week. And summer's really going. And what is the one thing? And we'll talk about it more later in the show. We have not had any muddies on a shipwreck in Lake Michigan yet.
0: I, I that can't be explained. That's just I
1: don't know. That's like uh, there's like aliens must be involved or uh, curse. Did somebody not do something or do something? Human
0: sacrifice or something? Yeah, I
1: don't know. We uh, you know maybe we need to sacrifice a, a scuba tank. You know, blow it up. But. I
0: don't know, but uh, it's not that we haven't tried. It's either
1: mechanical or
0: Mother Nature is having her way with us, and we've is. had a heck of a lot of rain.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of rain. Uh, I mean, it, we've had more rain in other seasons, but it has been. I don't think the farmers are crying. Well, we we haven't had the floods here and stuff. Oh no, but, but the river is still. I
0: haven't been in the river yet because it's very fast and zero vis or six inches and. After the winter, you know, you always want to find out what shifted on the bottom before you go out there by yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah but, certainly, uh,
0: and and lots of wind
1: have been blowing,
0: so it it's a little odd. I'm I'm not sure where this uh, cold weather we're not having is. You know the the Arctic polar vortex, yeah, any of that kind of stuff. But it, it's just weird. I we, Still getting out to the inland lakes. Can't beat it. It's nice and warm, but the Great Lakes
1: is still calling for us. Yeah, you know what that means though. We're going to find a shipwreck. Yeah. There, there's there's something that it's just it's it's the anticipation. So we just need to once we can get out there, we need to go work this hard and do some mowing the lawn. Yeah. But before we talk about mowing the lawn, let's jump right on into the news. I thought it was going to be a slow news week, but it ended up picking up a little bit. And if you're in the chat room, we're going to give you the show notes.
0: What we're going to have to do one day is get the people in the chat room. One of these days, I don't know how many ever get in there, but if you ever get six or seven, we'll have a Q&A day or something. We've talked about that. So yeah. we can actually talk to the people who listen to us and give us clues on how we can make this better.
1: Yes. Now, St. Louis Sam is saying that uh, how much rain have we had? They said they're they're flooding there. We have, we have not had the flooding. Missouri, you know, Chris and a few of our other listeners who are down there, they have just been ravaged by the water, more water than they know what to do with. And, and we've been fortunate that we haven't had that much, but it, it, is, it has been soggy.
0: Well, I know they have a lot of kayakers down there in Missouri, <laughs> and with the with the Mississippi and other things like that really ripping, I'm just
1: wondering if people are getting out. Yeah, you get like a class five right there.
0: Yeah, because I know we're getting out up here, uh, at least on the kayaks. Larry was out the other day. I've been out last week. But, again, X Keys, right?
1: Yes. So here. Paste it in the chat room. And here we go. Which is the first one as it slowly moves? Yeah, this one is uh, out of the Keys. U.S. authorities plan to extradite two Keys dive boat operators who were indicted on a death of a tourist when they drowned in their vessel capsized off Key Largo December 2011. Christopher Jones, 50, and Allison Gracie, 47, both British nationals, are facing charges of involuntary manslaughter, making false statements to authorities, according to Miami federal indictment unsealed on Tuesday. The accident claim of life of Amy Rhodes, 36, a married mother from Washington State who had traveled to Florida to go scuba diving. Her husband, Pat Rhodes, started a blog to honor his wife. And he said, no matter how much time they do, it won't be enough to make up for Amy's loss. I don't plan to dwell on that. Well, I do hope for justice. It's part of their life's path, not mine. Whether or not they go to jail impacts me not. Uh, Jones and Gracie were arrested this month in the Caribbean island of St. Martin, where they are extradited in South Florida to stand trial in federal court. And as the story goes, in 2011, they ran a company called Key Largo Scuba Shack operating a 25-foot boat called Get Wet. The boat had just left molasses reef off key largo when it took on water trapping customers in the forward cabin authority said according to news release from the u.s attorney general's office to operate the boat in an unlawful and grossly reckless manner they then lied about the boat's ownership when questioned by the u.s coast guard another tourist Amit Rampkuri of New York was trapped inside the cabin and had to be transported to the hospital in critical condition. Six other people aboard the boat, including the captain, and one crew member all survived with no major injuries. The tragedy happened not long after diver completed their first of two planned dives on the reef. This popular dive spot is about 30 feet deep, a few miles off Key Largo in the Atlantic Ocean. The boats just happened just left one mooring spot and it was en route to a second dive location on the large reef. When it began taking on water, witness estimated the boat sank in about two minutes.
0: It doesn't seem like the boat is big enough that you can't hold your breath and get the hell
1: out. Yes. Uh, so it
0: makes you wonder what else was going on.
1: Did they get tangled in something? Uh, did it go down some way? Did they give improper instructions? Uh, maybe as it comes out, maybe there'll be, there'll be some news articles that will talk about this. But they, they got him on lying, or at least they're charging him with that Yeah. false statement. So why would, I mean, I don't. I, I, obviously you're lying so you don't get in trouble, but why lie about it? That's easily verifiable.
0: Well, again, trapped in the cabin, I don't know what that meant.
1: Yeah, it, it's, but
0: again, like you said, in the process, we may find out what really happened.
1: Now, the husband was with his wife. He says it doesn't affect him anymore, but it seems like it would. when not he be called as a witness on the trial? Well, if he wasn't,
0: was he on board with her?
1: It sounded like he, I thought he was, wasn't he? Says him and his wife went on a trip. I guess maybe she might have been the scuba diver and he was at the beach or something.
0: Yeah. Doesn't really show that aspect. Yeah,
1: And then we have a Florida dive company that has been shut down. South Florida scuba dive instruction company has been shut down by the state attorney general office after the probe into allegations of fraud and counterfeit diving certificates.
0: Right. We had talked about this, what, a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah. Well, they, they've, okay. they've, I, re- I remember talking about it. Is it the same one? Yes. Now we got more ah, details. Yep. Attorney General Pan Booty said Wednesday that Ocean Hunters Incorporated of Doral and its owners Abdel Falcon intentionally misled people who purchased scuba diving certificate courses. Several customers filed claims against wrongdoing with Attorney General's Office under agreement filed with Miami-Dade Circuit Court. Ocean Hunters and Falcon are permanently barred from doing any type of scuba diving business, including instruction and charter trips. Falcon also agreed to pay $50,000 in restitution. Customers who believe they may have been defrauded can contact Attorney General's office to file a complaint. Was this the and one I'm that was do- doing the Groupon stuff?
0: I'm not sure about the Groupon, but he was the one that was given certifications and he wasn't qualified for. Yeah. And what I don't understand is find out what kind of qualifications. Was he really saying Patty or Nowy? And if so, if it was one of those nationals, I can't believe they wouldn't go back and, and sue them also. Defamation of name.
1: You would think so. I, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, the, the I mean, one of the good things about the way these certification companies are going is it's real easy to, to check to find out if a certification is valid or not.
0: It is nowadays, yes.
1: You can go into any dive shop. You can show them your card and say, hey, can you check on this, make sure it's real? And they can go to a website and pull that up. I think every dive shop can do that.
0: Well, you got to depend on how old your certs are.
1: Well, true. I guarantee
0: you, you're not going to find my first
1: one. Right, right. Uh, we're talking old. about if you've been certified in the last year. There's going to be a period of time that they're going to be able to say, because like I know when I took my class, it always seems, and I'm picking on the dive shop and I shouldn't, but they had to take the picture. They had to put it in. It took four or five weeks to finally get it. In the back of your mind, you're you're thinking, is it it ever going to come? Is there something up? But we we did get it. Uh, And that might be an excuse that many will use. So you may not be able to, like, in a month. But with uh, this online world, it's just about instant now. And uh, in the chat room, they're asking, what do you check when you're looking for an instructor? Well, instructor will have an instructor ID. And you should be able to call up the instruction organization. And they'll be able to validate that.
0: And also, it should be a national one like Patty. Yeah, you'd want to make State sure. Association for Dive Instructors or Nawi.
1: Yeah, Patty Nawi are going to be probably the two bigger ones. You have SSI, and then there's probably another four or five that are you valid. A
0: check just getting online, going in and looking at the where do they work, what kind of reputation do they have.
1: Yes, it's
0: pretty bad when you have to do that, isn't it? When you it, get down to it,
1: it does. But I'm but, guessing that this organization and and I I, I can't remember the article from before. But they may have had, uh, you know, a storefront that presented themselves really well.
0: That's true.
1: I mean, if you have two or three guys who all have a bunch, I mean, you could take Bob, you, and Jim or Larry. Let's say, let's just say Larry, so it's somebody different, or Ken. Actually, let's pick on Ken. So we have Bob, you, and Ken, and you bring all your guy, your gear, and you display it on peg hooks in the storefront. That would look like a pretty impressive dive shop to people who didn't know anything. Well,
0: actually, if you get down to it. We 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 don't necessarily teach you first class, you know, first you know, diver, for a cert. But how many have we mentored, and how many do we walk through the paces once they do have their sea card?
1: Yes. Well, it's it's the practical skills. It's just, scuba diving is something you got to do to get better at. <clears throat> yeah, it's a license to learn. Exactly, and that's even what the instructors say. So it's not anything against the instructors. It's just in the open water class. How many dives are there now? Two. Not including pool. Two? Uh, how many? I think it's two open water. Yeah. Now maybe more depending on how big your class is and if they can get all the skills done. But they got skills they have to go through. There's. But once they're through them and you've met the minimum requirements, they will give you your card. <clears throat> not not hopefully. guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and hopefully you just don't go out and make a hundred foot dive on your third dive of your. Right. You know, I'm qualified. I can do that. Yeah. You start out slow and you work your way up, just like. <laughs> Jumping or kayaking. You don't do the rapids the, first, the second day after you've had your kayak.
1: Yeah. Well, and what I'm hoping that they do, in, because I'm, I'm now shopping around for getting certific- my son certified. And we're also talking about doing something with the Boy Scout troop. The certification process now that most people are doing is online. I know it. So you, you do the schoolwork at home. You do the schoolwork at home, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. There's a lot of things with a properly designed e-learning course that you can get. But the one thing is that computer really looking at you, it knows that you hit the buttons and answered the questions. But you really need to have that dialogue. And you need somebody to kind of ask you the question a few different ways to make sure that you've understood the material and understand the risks.
0: And it's very nice to have your checkout when you have an instructor and only two students.
1: Yes. You don't want to
0: be number six with one instructor.
1: That can that can take a while.
0: Yeah, I don't like more than two people with me at a time, and I prefer one on one.
1: Yeah, the, the chat room's saying they want you to take, uh, they want you ready to take a written test when you show up for class, and I and I have had that because yep. Jim Jim Kleeman and I we did this before the e learning, and we're not that old. Well, we are, but that wasn't why we that wasn't around then. It was the book, and you had to completely go through the book, and then they spent four or five hours. So if that's true, what they're saying in the chat room, that means that that they want you not only to have done the equivalent of reading the book, but then also all the review, the follow-up, and the test so, so that you're ready to take the final test.
0: I used to help SAS teach class over at uh, Lake Mission College, and that was instead of having to do PE, you could take mm-hmm. the class. It was multiple weeks, several hours a night, once a week. And uh, I, I still think that interaction and a little bit of the war stories and ask-me-questions type, you'll learn a lot from that that you miss with the – with them, I'll read it myself.
1: Yeah, and they're, and they're socializing before and after, and meeting other people, uh, you know, and learning where to dive, how to dive, and, what to dive, and,
0: and getting that dive buddy. If you just have one dive buddy, you're not going to dive a lot. Or dive a lot, you need a club. You need people you can go to. and Say, I'm going to
1: dive this day. Who's available? Yeah, and and that's we've been pitching since the beginning of the show the value of dive clubs, and we're starting to see dive clubs come back. Uh, in Kalamazoo, there's another dive club opening up. Indiana's had a dive club open up in the last year.
0: Right. Ann Arbor's got one. Yes. But uh, the other aspect is some of the emphasis has changed because they don't do the tables like they used to. They teach you
1: computer. Yeah, they teach you computer. It's a, it's a simulator. I think they call it the brick, blue brick. And or-
0: I, I think it's good, but how many times as a grubber are you going to use your computer? Not much, <laughs> but I use mine even my brick or in mine, my, my little glob on wreck dives, especially if I'm going over 60, 70 feet, then I do.
1: i like it for backup, but I still do it by the clock. It's, it's good. You want to have more than one method and you should have a sense of like a, a simple, a simple dive. You should kind of have an idea at different depths, how long you can be down. So you can validate that computer when you, when you're putting in that dive plan to try and figure out you know, what your, what's your plan for the, for the day. You should get an idea if you've miskeyed something. If, it's, yeah. if it says at 120 feet, you've got 40 minutes, there's something wrong. Yeah. Well,
0: I think the, the key item I, I, we always used to preach to students, if you're not comfortable, you're not going to stay diving. So if you're not comfortable, tell us what the issue is so we can help overcome that obstacle. And number one is lousy-fitting wetsuits so you're cold. Yes. People who are cold are not having a good time. I, so key item is, hey, make sure you're comfortable physically before you get in the water, meaning have a good wetsuit.
1: Well, I was talking to my physician. I went in for my annual physical to get ready for scout camp, got to fill out the forms. And he's a diver, but he does—he has never dove in Lake Michigan or anywhere up here. All he does is trips, and he's done some nice trips. He's was telling me where he's gone. But right now his kids are in age where they, him and his wife can't get away, and they're not diving. And it makes me wonder, what do we have to do? Now, he says he's really into the bright, colorful fish. And I told him, yeah, you're right. You're not going to see tropical fish out there in, in Lake Michigan. But there, needs, there has to be a way of a, us to get people to give it a try. Because it's no fun being cold, but you don't have to be cold.
0: Right. And this is the perfect time because if you don't go blow, you know, below, excuse me, 20 feet for the thermocline, it's very comfortable right now.
1: Heck, you could almost dive without a wetsuit.
0: And you want to get your experience when you're comfortable. Yeah. So you can grow into it when you get cold or you're going to go down to a thermocline, get cold, come bone back up where it's warm again, get nice, go back down again. That's where, uh, like uh, St. Louis, Sam, yes, uh, that'd be Missouri. Bontier would be a really nice place to, to go because it's relatively warm, clear water, but you got to have a light, meaning th- the guide. Mm-hmm. That's a nice dive. The river sort of sucks because it's really dark.
1: Yeah, yeah there, there I don't
0: know what Other kind of quarries they have down there, but that would be another one is the quarry diving. Controlled environment, no
1: current. That was a good topic. So let's see. What's the next one? <laughs> the, this one should get us. I didn't think we we're going to go long, but with some of these topics, we, we could just have to cut it short. So here, this is an opinion piece out of the Orlando Sentinel, and it said, "Should cave diving sites have more restrictions?" And the author, Beth Kasab, she says that about sixty feet deep, divers in Blue String Springs in Orange County see an ominous sign with an image of Grim Reaper posted on the cavern wall. Stop, prepare, prevent your death, go no further, there's nothing in this cave worth diving for. Don't go beyond this point. Only certified divers in cavern or cave diving are supposed to go beyond that sign. But it's up to the divers to police themselves. When Ryan Durvins, an O. C. father, died at Blue Springs earlier this month, The Valencia County Sheriff Recovery Divers found him at about 70 feet deep up against a a wedge in the lime rock. His weight belt was recovered at 84 feet, according to Sheriff's report. It's not clear if if, uh, Durvin was certified to cavern or cave dive, but several clues suggest he wasn't. He was on that uh, final dive alone, something most cave divers wouldn't do. After diving with his teenage son earlier today, the the Sheriff's report indicated he only had one scuba tank. Cave divers are typically Trained to bring to. Devin 56 was the third man to die at Blue Springs in six years. Another diver perished in 2003 after he ran out of air. In 2009, a man succumbed while he was free diving without a tank, which that one can't count or shouldn't count. Not as a scuba diver. Uh, Blue Springs is notoriously dangerous beyond 60 feet. We caution even our cave divers because when you get in the very bottom, the flow of water from the spring is so strong, it can take the mask right off a diver. Read the description from other local dive shops' websites. Some people are saying it makes sense to limit certain sites to more experienced divers. Uh, then they talk about people posting on Facebook that the recent death of the state should require all divers at Blue String to have cave certifications. It's not that trained cave divers can't get into trouble, and they do, but they have a better chance of surviving the attraction of Blue String from manatees as the caves. In order for dives down their divers have to show they are trained at a higher level, everybody else can use snorkels. And Marvel to Grimreeker signed from a distance. Now, see here. I don't know do, how how much. Uh, I'm ready to talk about this now. I'm not going to read the, the rest of it where she just rambles on and on and on.
0: Well, the key item here is that where they talk about they need to have certain certifications. You already do. Let me rephrase that. If I'm going to be diving a cavern, cavern is different than cave. Cavern is different than open water. You right. need to have a cert for cavern diving. There is one. And if you're going to use that as your stepping stone, which is a logical progression, then you go to cave diving. But you take the classes and you do the safety aspect. Even when I'm diving open water, anything past 60 feet, period, I got a bailout. Right. You know, when we're up up north, we're doing the fast water. There's technique. So if your mask blows off, it doesn't go bye-bye. You have it tagged so you can find it in the back of your head. And you carry a spare one in your goodie bag. The
1: so training makes a big difference. So here's my like to me with the basic point of the argument that they're presenting is if you're required to have that certification, how do they check? If it's if it's a public access place, there's let's say there's no dive concession, you don't pay to get in, do they have to chain it up and put a guard on and then check for your cards?
0: At at Blue Springs, Jenny Springs? Um uh, A lot of those do have that if you don't have a cavern or cave shirt you're not you know well you're not you're going to be prohibited from going in there.
1: Well, when I did Ginny Springs, you go to the desk, you register, you pay to go in. They give you the safety briefing, which is to me above and beyond what they need to do. But you also figure that they're attracting the least experienced divers in the world because it's a very popular site along with you know people who know what they're doing. But once you're out of the building. And you, you know it's like a big campground. There's nobody checking at each of the sites. There's, what if they pass a law? Are they going to have to check? And how are they going to know? And then what they're presenting here is they're saying you shouldn't be able to even get in the water with scuba gear near one of these spots. You know, just mask and snorkel. And I think that this is. I mean, I hate saying Darwin. <laughs> the Darwinism took care of this. But uh, you know, that's what your your training's supposed to do is give you enough idea of what you're capable of and not.
0: But unfortunately, there is no self-responsibility now. It's always if you do die, somebody's going to sue because somebody should have have not let him do that. Or somebody should have trained him better or different. Yeah. We started diving, and I'm going to say we, me. There was no certification. (laughs) And, you you know, if you were stupid, you died. And then after I became and took classes, more information was available. It's like, damn, I kind of hurt myself. And so there, there is a value. But again, those who want to do it, you cannot stop them. And you shouldn't blame the sport because
1: the individual made that conscious decision. You're taking the risk in your own hands yeah. when you go and do it. And then so, I've heard the argument where some people are saying, well, that's true, but I have to recover the body and now I'm risking my life. No, you don't.
0: It's like helmet loss. I'm going to pay more insurance because you were stupid and you fell off your bike and, and bonked your head, let the vacuum out and there goes everything else. There's, there's truisms to all of it, but the bottom line, who's the biggest loser? The guy that didn't wear the helmet. Right. All right. Uh, I wear a helmet when I ride my bicycle because I've skidded on sand at zero miles an hour and fell down sideways. I really would like to do this again, meaning I don't want to hit my head and let the vacuum out. So I wear a helmet. I know we were kids. We didn't. And we survived. <laughs> but.
1: Yeah, there's Yeah, there's, there's certain amount of risks that you, you take and you always want to avoid as much as possible so that you'd have a nice long life. Yeah. But in this particular case, I think that the program, the way it is, is, is pretty good. Uh, it, it's seems to be self policing. I just think that time they make, they, somebody wants to change these requirements up that it's a slippery slope and it's actually going to make things worse. I don't think that you're going to save any lives by doing this. I think you're going to run dive, some dive places out of business. Or somebody's going to close it.
0: It's going to cost more.
1: Yeah, and somebody's going to close just close up. They're going to say, you know what, I can't do that. I, I always like the part,
0: though, but if it only saves one life. Oh, goodness. We're not going to do the RTO on that it because it's not.
1: Yeah, if it only saves one life. Right, did we beat that one up? I think we have. Okay. And uh, we, we marked an anniversary 65 years ago. Something ended up in the water that's not where it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, flight 2501.
1: So 2501, which is the one that uh, Ralph Wilbanks and NUMA has been looking for. Correct. So on Wednesday, uh, the 58 lives that were lost are remembered in a ceremony. It was at the Lakeview Cemetery Sexton. Uh, There was an unmarked grave as old as a plane crash when victims had been buried for years without anyone knowing. How did the victims get buried? So they
0: actually it wasn't it's always like anything else you know at the time but nobody it, it's not interesting enough or after five or ten years it dies down and nobody cares because it didn't impact them this is the one by Valerie Van Heese by the way and a better article was in the uh, Herald Palladium on the same issue Okay. and even though the the Sexton or the Marianne discovered that unmarked grave uh that had been being looked at for quite a few years. Valerie, you know, gives a presentation on this. And, in fact, Valerie is the one who um, wound up helping them get both the tombstones for this, or the markers.
1: Now, you say she helped them get the markers. She, they, she helped raise the funds for getting she the markers? Canvassed,
0: she canvassed, got a volunteer to provide one.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then um, a lot of them uh, were buried down here. It was just that they didn't realize that some of the people or the parts and pieces of them were in turn up there in South Haven.
1: So we still haven't had anybody find much since the since sixty years ago dealing with this loss.
0: Right. Again, you are going to find it, but you are probably going to look for it and find it with a magnetometer uh, because it's going to be covered with sand. My opinion is you will find it eventually. You are going to find four engines and part of a tail.
1: Yeah. It had, and came apart. Yeah, I I I'm convinced just from the descriptions that it, it blew up at, at altitude and it's just the heavy pieces fell straight down.
0: Yep. Gone but not forgotten in this particular case. Oh come on. Do you know why this didn't wasn't really prominent or stay in the paper very long? No. As I recollect, sixty five years ago put this at the start of the Korean War and that took headlines away from this?
1: Yeah, that's the way a lot of events happen. Uh, the bigger yeah. story takes the smaller stories headlines yeah. away. And we're not
0: talking about Charleston.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we decided before the show we're not going there. <laughs> I shouldn't have mentioned it. The book chronicles shipwrecks of Great Lakes storms. A new book has been published out of Marquette. Uh, the Deadliest Storm Ever in the Great Lakes uh, which you talk about the storm of 1913 in which 17 ships wrecked and about 250 sailors drowned. It focuses on the discovery of the Henry B Smith shipwreck in 2013 in the book. It's also the last shipwreck of the storm to be discovered. He follows the story of how shipwreck hunters discovered the ship and what they found. So you can get Is that a look Stonehouse at- again? Stonehouse. Yes. Okay. Uh, do you know him or?
0: Uh, Stonehouse been around for many years and he's written a good number and he does really good research.
1: Yeah, it, so this is the most recent one. It's available at the Marquette Maritime Museum. Uh, it said it's going to be 1995 at the museum and bookstores around Marquette. I'm betting if you look on Amazon, you may also be able to find it. Yeah, uh, That's good. I'm glad that we have people who spend the time to do research and, and write these books.
0: This is a side note. Did we ever say what wreck we were talking about? That was an airplane wreck, 2501. The greatest right. airline disaster in American history up until that point.
1: Yes, it's very true. Yeah, we didn't yeah. mention it. I think we just assumed everybody knew, which we shouldn't have done. But, yeah, it's, uh let's see. I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase the story. But the plane was, wasn't it out of Chicago?
0: No, it was out of Detroit going across. Oh, going okay. up towards Milwaukee. It was in a thunderstorm. It came across. They asked for an altitude change. Didn't get it. Um, it appears they were approximately 3,000 feet, which is pretty low. It was in a thunderstorm. And I had read reports, and I was reading one of the articles the other day about it, went over their house in South Haven. Uh, it was low, sounded like it had engine trouble. Uh, the report I like is a guy on the bluffs, basically in New Buffalo, was also out there watching the storm, watched lightning hit something, and it had a ball of fire. So it sounds like the aircraft got hit by lightning and blew up.
1: Now, when you say, So you say New Buffalo. Yes. Yeah.
0: See, well, look how far you can see when you're on the bluffs. You can see a long way. Yeah. And an explosion, you would see that. You would see a bright That's true. Flag.
1: And he was looking north, I take it, when he saw it? Yeah. Okay.
0: But Which, that's what it was. And, again, it would have had a lot more publicity and stayed in the news had it had not been for the Korean War, starting Yeah. So, sorry about that. I just thought I'd add a
1: little. No, it's good. I think listeners should know. And let's see. I'm going to try and get back to this next article, but uh, –
0: Military? Oh, no, not one of those again?
1: Yeah, it's one of those. This is a... Is that the Florida paper again? No, this was one... Oh, is it the same one? Crap.
0: The Sun Sentinel. Oh. I'll just bypass them and... uh, Let's see what we can do real quick.
1: That is very annoying.
0: Yeah. What we're talking about is if we go to a link and you get to the link... And it's an advertisement that another pop-up comes up and says, and you can read this if you join or pay money.
1: Yeah. And I'm not going to give them the information. I'm not going to spend time logging in. And I'm actually promoting their website. So actually, I think we're just going to skip this one. I, I don't have time for this.
0: Well, I found it on a different item. It's called New Mission for Disabled Veterans. Did you
1: find another website? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want, why don't you go with it? Uh, let me, <laughs> Let me get rid of my pop-up just came up. <laughs> Well, maybe okay, never
0: mind. It just kicked me out. It just <laughs> it's also the sun.
1: Yeah, so same, same one. Uh, sun so, oh yeah, it's Yeah, it's what I want to do, and I need to write this piece of software. I want to write a plugin where I blacklist all these sites who do that. And when I search for something and I go to click it, it goes, remember, this is one of those stupid sites you don't like. And I'm going to say, yeah, thank you, software. You're right. I'm not going there.
0: Yeah. Bottom line is if you want to help join the Wounded Warrior Program, and it basically helps disabled military veterans, and one of the exercises is scuba diving. Even though they may have lost limbs or several limbs, they still get into the water because you have a lot more freedom of movement they found in the water. It helps restore their balance, plus their self-esteem and being able to do something people didn't think they could do because they're missing a limb or, or even more
1: than one. Yes, So, Wounded Warrior program, I'm all for it. Great program, and they were working on saving some reefs. Now, this one's the Flathead Beacon, which does not have a pop-up on it. And this is not what I instantly think of as a dive location, but uh, Northwest Montana, they're saying that they've got a prime scuba diving country with abundance of sunken treasures, and they said that diving is coming back after the recession.
0: As soon as they say sunken treasure, they get my my attention right there.
1: They said, this town has a huge dive population. They used to put an event every summer called the Dive Fest, and hundreds of people across Montana would come here to dive. He opened uh, Rock Bottom Diving nearly two years ago on U.S. Highway 93, north of his two sons, Tim and Nick. The dive community kind of fell apart when the economy went bad, and we've been trying really hard to bring it back. Now I'm meeting more people are dusting off their old equipment and coming back to fill tanks. So the water is crystal clear here. Normally lakes are murky and have algae blooms, but these are unbelievable crystal clear lakes. All lakes up here have something unique to see, and there are so many of them. The family's business, located in one of the former dive shop, is now act as a centralized hub for the valley's divers. It houses a large pool that's 12 feet deep, filled with salt water and warmed to 80 degrees. Makes it easier for the new trainees to dive into the sport. He helps people of all ages, seeking all levels of underwater skill from... Families preparing for vacation to Caribbean to local search and rescue crews needing advanced technical training. You know, I didn't think about that, but I remember when I did hiking, there were some lakes where they were so crystal clear.
0: I'm curious. I just thought a few items. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the altitude out there? Because you got to do the altitude diving calculation, second item. Uh-huh. Uh, I went away, I'm, I'm looking at Iceberg Lake in Glacier National Park. I'm thinking cold water <laughs> yeah. even in the summer.
1: Oh yeah! Oh, those, as
0: a matter of fact, the, within minutes, the ice and water frozen equipment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Montana, <coughs> and, big sky Yeah, you're, you're gonna when you got that clear water like that. I mean, that's one of the reasons why it's clear. I think is it's cold, and they don't have a lot of human activity that's putting nutrients into the water.
0: Oh, uh, their videos are very nice. Did you take a look at those?
1: I haven't actually watched them.
0: Well, there's a couple of pictures. There are like uh, Lake McDonald. Nice,
1: nice wreck. Yeah. Very good Viz. Every bit of 40 foot. So here's the altitude there, Mac. The lowest point in the state is 1,804 feet.
0: Is that the highest point?
1: That was the lowest point.
0: Oh, so they got the reverse aspect.
1: So the lowest point in in there is 1,804 feet. The highest is 12,807, which is Granite Peak. So you're at almost 2,000 feet right to start with.
0: Okay. I just kept going down the, the pictures here. Uh huh. And the one I like is it's a flat bottom. It's a shovel garden in Lake McDonald. The shovel. garden. Visibility is decent. I know if you hit the bottom though, you're going to muck it up real quick. Just scroll down through. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, you're right. And on one of them, the, the sunken. That's just like the uh, the two boats up in Duncan Bay for us. Yes, they do And except these look like keelboats. boats. Look at the front end of them.
1: Yes. Would that's that be? A, nice. Would that be a canal boat? Maybe. I would have. It, it could have been. Sure to explore the sunken ship in Lake McDonald. Yeah. Of course, I don't know. I mean, I don't picture Montana having canals. It says a sunken steamboat. Yeah, Yeah. beautiful. That is very nice. And that is really shallow. Can you see where the diver is? He's, like, up the surface. And
0: people have links to this, so if they look, they can figure out what we're talking about.
1: Did I? Here, let me paste it in there. I'm good. I've I've been hitting about half. We're going to add the – it's one of the things we're going to have on the website. I've still got some – we'll talk about that later, but I'll – There'll be some reasons to subscribe. This is very nice. Yeah, a good article.
0: Yes, it is, and nice pictures. I like that. Yeah,
1: I almost didn't cover this one because some some of these where they're just nice to read and see are not that exciting for a podcast. Go
0: to Montana and dive. Yeah. excellent. I,
1: I. It still reminds me of one of the things I want to do. See, so yeah, first, first is get five hundred million dollars. Then, <laughs> then after the five hundred million dollars. Then I take a trip across the country, and I want to do at least two dives a day for like a month and a half. So just to get in the car, drive, and look for spots just to go and dive. So $500 million, and then just do some diving. Seems simple enough.
0: I, I think I could probably do that on a little less.
1: <laughs> well, you know, if you ask for $10 million or $5 million, then you know, before you know, you're already through that. 500 million i figured that would last me at least two years <laughs> and we have state park is offering a shipwreck reenactment and this is on june 27th so that's this weekend uh this is the cape gazettes let's see what state and i you- hope you can get it because i can't it will not show up for me no i've i've got it uh it says a historic shipwreck rescue reenactment will take place at the Delaware Seashore State Park Sunday or Saturday, June 27th at 1 p.m. Park visitors invited to see a historic shipwreck rescue drill come to life at Indian River Life Station Museum. Interpreters dressed in period uniform will partner with active duty Coast Guard guardsmen to reenact one of the most exciting, significant practices used to save lives of shipwreck mariners during the turn of the century. United States Lifesaving Saving Service which is the precursor to coast guard was established in 1871 as it used to launch rescue missions to assist victims of shipwrecks along America's coastline for the fearless men employed in the service. The breeches buoy system was both the most technically advanced and safest method for rescuing passengers from stranded vessels. And, uh, Craig rich in his book, he talks about that. That was one of the items was the breeches system, which they would run a line from the wreck to a tried to be a high point on shore. And then you'd have this thing you would get into. They call it the breeches buoy. Basically, a kind of like a, a big baby, not quite a diaper, but st- harness. And they would pull you up the shore.
0: The nice part was they used a cannon to shoot the line out, haul the, in, the line back in, wrap it around the ship. Yep. Mm-hmm. The life-saving stations, if you've never read up on those, especially around the Great Lakes, amazing the stories. I mean, obviously, any place you got water, the the coast, east coast, west coast. But around here, you can actually find good literature on what they did, some of the rescues they made. Is, those were iron men back in those days. Yeah, and
1: there's a lot of photos of them doing their training. I used to do a lot right there in the St. Joe River. They would have the, the boats, and I think they had a special boat that was just for training. Yep.
0: It's amazing what those guys would put up with. They didn't have all the nice equipment
1: like we do, gumby suits and stuff. Yeah, you didn't have like a—it's like a, amazing a dry suit. There wasn't a helicopter that would come and save the rescuers if they got in trouble.
0: I don't think I've ever heard of this being done before. This is really cool.
1: The reenactment, I don't think I have either. So they're saying that uh, the cost for this program, which includes admission to the museum, is six fifty for adults, $5 for seniors, 4 for youth, and free for children ages 5 and under. Pre-registration is not required. You know what would make sense. You've got the St. Joe, who is trying to redo the... Uh, lighthouse. This would be a perfect fundraiser for them.
0: Yeah. Key item though is always hardly anybody joins clubs and groups anymore. No. It, no. It's amazing what. what well, is happening. It, every group
1: time. I belong to, I think it's the same 20 people in every single one. And they're getting older. They're getting older. And I have to I deliberately have not joined groups because I know that as soon as I do they're going to try and grab me in and make me do stuff. Yeah. I guess you can always be. You can always just send money and join as a member.
0: I, I mean, not not from that aspect. I mean, I am a member of American Legion, but I am the state. I don't belong to a local, right? And part of it is because I, I want to participate. I mean, I want to give them my money because I believe in their cause, but I am not that. I am not involved, and I am not going to be involved in participating at a local, and that's why I'd rather give it to the state, let them distribute my money, and
1: yeah, I, I, I should.
0: But again, I. Like you and I, you've got your kids, you've got sports, you've got scouts. Uh, time a, is, is there's a limit. critical to it. Yeah. yeah, There's a limit. This is really good. though. I'm glad you brought that one up. I've never seen somebody do that. I, I think it's great. it be interesting to see a video of how they really
1: did it. Mm-hmm. And I think those little mini reenactments, you don't have to do the same one every year. There's probably a lot of different things you could do. But you learn a lot by actually trying to do it. There's one thing to have it read in the book, and then you have, you know, the book account. They're, they're probably written in a way that's unique to whatever time period they're at. And, the, and so there's a little bit of filtering that naturally happens. And to actually see it or participate even better, you get a better understanding of how, what that would have taken.
0: Like Jim did on Friends Goodwill, you work on that boat for a year, you're going to appreciate yes. diving and wrecks. So much more because you're going to understand the terminology, how they built, how they sailed, what kind of
1: problems they had. Well, and then also one of the the side benefits of that is a year being on the boat, you're going to know where the crew keeps all the goodies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I got to work with them that one time over in Chicago uh, with Jim. They invited me over, and Jim and I went down and did some survey on their hull. And just being on the boat for just a couple hours, having lunch with them on the boat was really fun and
1: educational beyond belief and there's a lot of these groups that you can join so if, if you haven't do- uh, dove if you haven't joined your local dive club you can do that but there's also these different maritime and historical groups and then here's another one here we have a diver who's taking underwater 3d scan of a coral reef uh, they're saying that until recently coral reef Studying meant that you went down with a tape measure, calculating the size and the tip of the branch, then trying to make some calculations about the rest of the reef. Now they're using 3D scanning to make it possible to detect detailed shifts in coral health. So, uh, lee who's the founder of the Hydrus, a nonprofit pioneering 3D scanning of reef, it says it's like being stuck in the 1900s. The technology we used to use was so antiquated. And uh, you see that you see that three D image they've got there, Mac. Yes, I do.
0: That is very interesting. Yeah,
1: and and there's a lot of stuff like that. There's uh, AutoCAD has where if you take enough pictures of an item, you can three D map it. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways of doing this. It says you take a ton of pictures of a regular camera. Then the software we use is smart enough to triangulate and find the points match up. Oh, and that's what they're doing. They're using the Autodesk software. It says it turns they've turned two hundred thousand. Plus shots of a reef into a virtual 3D model. Oh, and so that Autodesk. Helps. So Autodesk is. Uh, it looks like they're almost partially sponsoring this article. But I've I've done stuff with them. You can. Uh, I think it's called One Two Three is one of their programs, uh, and it 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 works pretty decent. There are some things that can mess it up. Chrome things that are shiny can mess it up. <laughs>
0: Well, that's like when you go there and you wonder what screwed that up, you go back down to that part to see if that was a piece of gold or silver shining that made the film look a little weird.
1: Yes. Yeah, that is it. Uh, Autodesk is refining the software. They say sometimes they have to manually edit it, but they're trying to get the process where it's completely automated. So the technology could eventually be used in space. The same way they're doing the work underwater, they can do it out in the outer space.
0: Yeah. The expense of that is going to be the equipment. I'm looking at his rig, the hood, plus the dome on that port. But that costs a couple of shekels.
1: Yeah, but that's just him and what he's using. Uh, I've done the same thing with uh, my phone. I can take my phone. Uh, I should see it. I, I I may have it. I took a, a tank from the back of my car, and I just walked around it and took 20 or 30 shots and let it process. So maybe we'll do that. That's. But this is what I've wanted to do for shipwrecks. You know, They're doing the reef. I want to do shipwrecks this way.
0: I'm waiting for somebody to finally hit Max Rack and find out if it changed. Oh, or no. if it's still there. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's, it's either completely uncovered, completely covered. Yeah, we don't know what it's changed. And we're down to, we're getting to the end of the articles. We have the ancient Greek, and I could say this before the show, but once the show starts, it's impossible. Just a shipwreck. <laughs> shipwreck. The Antikythera. I think that's what it is, Antikythera, shipwreck still holds secrets. And this is the shipwreck that the uh, sponge divers had found. On it, they had a mechanical computer. Why am I? I? must have gotten the wrong link again.
0: Ooh. I'm looking at one of the pictures of the bronze spear. That is awesome.
1: Yeah, so they're talking about the ship, which sank in 70 B.C. and 60 B.C. Is a trekked west from Asia Minor to Rome said it holds plenty of treasure during the first phase of the project which ended october 2014 the undersea explorers found tableware lead anchor giant bronze spear that may have been part of a statue warrior or goddess of athena and other artifacts with this newly approved extension researchers will focus on known hot spots for pottery metal objects the team hopes to complete the detailed mapping of the wreck site and evacuate treasure and artifacts from the ship In preparation for the second phase slated to begin at the end of the summer Researchers sent an autonomous underwater vehicle to digitally survey the shipwreck from June 9 to 19. 19. On Saturday, June 3rd, the ATV and its own metal detector located small pieces of copper, bronze, lead, and iron-bearing materials. The following Monday, the AUV got up close and personal to the artifacts, taking pictures and collecting spatial data, including where the artifacts are in relation to each other. Over the next five years, beginning at the end of the summer, the researchers will evacuate pieces of the shipwreck. So that's it's a five year project. That's pretty serious.
0: Well, that was found by sponge divers in 1900.
1: Yeah, they they found it and they were they're breath holding. And well, how deep is this? They say
0: that was going to be my first question. The reason I like it is that the mechanical computer. They said it's like if you found a Boeing 20, 727, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, that's what they're trying to figure. Did you? I went to uh, uh, Winnipeg or whatever, and I got a picture of the. The mechanical computer, quite
1: interesting. And, and I found that yeah, there a looking. lot of people study it. Yeah, yeah,
0: and
1: they and they consider it. At first, they didn't completely recognize what it is because it was considered to be too advanced to even possibly be made at that time. Uh, that that there's an the arm of the bronze statue that Cousteau found when he re- looked at the site was between one hundred thirty eight and one hundred sixty four feet deep, or forty two and fifty meters below the surface. So it's Just outside normal recreational range.
0: Well, you see the picture of the guy at the bottom Mm -hmm. with the bronze spear?
1: Yes. Nice rig he's got. Yeah, a little rebreather there. Oh, yeah. And you got a couple of bottles there on the side. Yeah, a little bailout because he's going to have some time and wants to be able to make sure he's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Very, very interesting.
1: Yeah. I'd like to dive it. Yeah, 2,000-year-old wreck. I mean, that's an old wreck. And then to be able to document and preserve some artifacts can you imagine what it looked like though
0: in 1950 before i mean with the, with the technology you had back then hard hat even you just wonder what was uh taken and put in other museums way back then even
1: yeah there's got it there there have been a lot you, you want to always be the first one on a wreck and then ireland is reporting that they have found a 400 year old spanish shipwreck more than four centuries after it sank uh, a Spanish Armada wreck is being uncovered from the west coast of Ireland. They're finding a number of cannons, timbers, and anchor from... uh you know how to pronounce this. I got the first word, La. <laughs> Juliana, Julina, one of three Armada ships that wrecked off the coast in 1588. Heavy storms wow. over the past two years are thought to have uncovered the 16th century vessel, long buried in a sandy seabed off the coast of Stringda, in County, Sergo, the government was first alerted to the timbers started washing ashore in April. And this is according to the uh, Minister of Arts, Heather Humphrey. So they found relics dating to 1570. Among the relics recovered for divers are two cannons, including one dated 1570, which bears the dedication to and description of St. Saint, uh, Saint Martin, St. Saint Matron, particularly vulnerated Spain's Catalonia region, Catalonian. God, can they make these websites type any any smaller? Here, I have to zoom this up. Uh, Here we go. Uh, The fatilla set sail in England on July 1588 with the aim of overthrowing its Protestant ruler, Queen Elizabeth I, but the combination of mistakes, poor planning, and attacks by the English Navy resulted in the Spanish fleet being scattered in the English Channel and fleeing up the east coast of England. Severe storm in the North Atlantic caused many of the beleaguered Spanish ships to sink off Scotland and the west coast of Ireland. Said the recovery operation is expected t- to last a number of weeks, the Irish government said. They didn't give the depth because I was looking for that and I did not find it. No, they didn't say it. It sounds like they just claimed they found it, but they, they have the name of the wreck pretty quick.
0: Yeah, well, they said it was just uncovered by the storms and stuff again. And looking at the pictures of some of the cannon, uh, that's a sand wreck. But the cannons are, like, right on the freaking surface. That was cool. There's no vegetation, no coral, nothing like that there.
1: Yeah, so maybe the storms are heavy enough that it just stripped everything off it.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the articles said there was, like, one out of 130 ships.
1: Yeah. It's a merchant
0: ship, so it had a lot of stuff in it.
1: Yeah. Well, you figure in 400 years, it's probably been exposed and buried many times over the years. Yeah. So, cool. Another one I'd like to dive. But you're talking again. Cold water, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is, if it's not frozen, it's how cold can it be? Well, that's true. That's true.
0: Uh, we're sort of used to that. Yeah, yeah, but I still didn't see how deep it was.
1: Yeah, they didn't say. And they may be deliberately not saying.
0: Very nice.
1: Well, how about this for some potentially cool scuba gear and a Kickstarter project, uh, a new project. It has 121 backers and 20 days to go. They've already ret the... Ret goodness. They've already met their funding goal. They need, they wanted $25,000 to fund the project and they're at 33630 And this is a C2 and O2 dual gas analyzer for scuba divers. This is by Dive Nav Incorporated. And what they've done is they've combined uh, a dual, uh, well, it's not combining a dual gas. It's a dual gas detector, which is combining carbon monoxide and an oxygen analyzer uh, for scuba divers. And it's, you can control it with your smartphone. So I think we even talked about this when the original product came out. So they 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 had a product they launched on Kickstarter which was funded and delivered called Nitrox Buddy. It was a smart based smartphone based oxygen analyzer for scuba divers. Before they did that, they wanted to do this one where it was both CO2 and O2, but the CO2 sensors were too big and unreliable to time, so they went with just the nitrox. Well, now they've perfected it. They've, they think they've got it small. They're showing it and you're able to get it funded. And so what it looks like is uh, if you pledge $199 or more, and at the time of the recording, there's only four left of the out of 30, you get a carbon monoxide only. If for $249, which they've got 68 left out of the 100 you get the fully assembled combo, which includes both the carbon monoxide and oxygen sensors. And they say when it goes to retail, it's going to be 299 $299. Said free shipping in the U.S. only.
0: Now I understand the O2 because that would be good, especially to nitrox or something. But exactly why would I? You know, why carbon monoxide? I am not. I don't believe that's been any kind of an issue, unless it's something unique. If you're
1: doing tri mixes or something, or uh, what do you know? I just think it's the, it, they've occasionally had bad gases. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's rare. It seems like Mexico was the last time I remember us seeing an article where that anybody had died from that. But I, I think if you're traveling to third world places, you may, and you don't necessarily trust the gas. So you're doing two things. You're detecting to make sure that there isn't too much. Well, we know. did have
0: that article last week, though, talking about certification for air. And one place actually didn't make it. They were just slightly off.
1: Yeah. Now, they were carbon dioxide, which I don't know True. if this would detect. I don't know. Do they say? So well, it, I
0: like the pictures of the size of the, the analyzer, oxygen, CO2, and then the oxygen, and then the size of the sensor in a quarter. Yeah. For comparison size, that was quite interesting.
1: That'd be nice if the quarter was all that it costs to get a new sensor.
0: Yeah, you wish.
1: <laughs> yeah, do they even say how much the sensor is? No, they don't. But we'll have a link in the show notes, so if you're interested in it, you can take a look. They're expecting to have, do they say a release date? They show the timeline Uh, they're into that 3d printing also a lot are doing that especially in small prototyping you can 3d print and that allows you to produce stuff that you might not want to invest in having full molds for and it allows you to make changes you can make five of them and decide you know what this isn't strong enough or this doesn't give us the clearance we need and you can adjust it and then the next one has that of course you have to be careful that you don't over rapidly innovate and Create all sorts of problems by not doing proper testing. Yeah,
0: I just looked up the other item down at your uh, FAQs. Mm-hmm. Just talked about more information on the uh, carbon monoxide sensor. Estimate the cost to replace the CO2 sensor is about seventy bucks. Expected life is two years for that for that, that particular sensor.
1: Says it will be able to detect presence of CO up to hundred parts per million. Yeah. Well. That should be enough.
0: And the battery is replaced by the user, which is also a nice oh, do-it-yourself you plus. You don't got to send it off sometimes.
1: Yeah, you got to watch out for that a lot of times now, especially these phones. Many you know, phones it, in the last year have gotten worse that way.
0: Yeah, They're going to get good on this because they've already had a history, mm-hmm. a timeline. It shows idea plus here's what we did. Bingo. Here's another one. So they've got a history of being able to produce what they say.
1: Yeah. Well, And, and they've already met their funding goal. Yeah. So right now, it turns from where you're funding it to make it possible to it's more of a you're buying one at a discount. Yeah. So if you think you want one, jump on the Kickstarter and get in now. And they have some interesting comments. They have people asking about helium sensors. Yeah. says uh, somebody in the there says, do helium sensors function the same way as oxygen sensors? Cool stretch goal to be able to unlock the ability to analyze helium with a sensor swap. Shouldn't take much programming if the hardware supports it. You'd own the market for portable analyzers. And then they say, uh, thank you. We were thinking about stretch, stretch goals more on this soon. Unfortunately, helium sensors are quite different beasts than O2 sensors. Which
0: also, I, I would imagine your use of those for most divers is not going to be there. I know you do do your trimixing and whatever, but looking at the market.
1: What would be nice is, say you, had, say you bought two of these for whatever reason, and then you got a technical diving, you'd have one you could convert over you just have to buy the sensor and the software. Yeah. But this company is experienced with it and you know they've looked at it. They're hitting the big ones first. So that does it for scuba to news this week. Let's see. Let's let's talk about some diving. Did you get any diving in? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that? you guys went out and had your uh attempted foray for a shipwreck. Yes.
1: Yeah, and the and the um, listeners didn't know I had, they 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 might have been following us uh, on Twitter or on Facebook, which I had some nice photos. Uh, what well, we did? So I went,
0: I went out to the old standby again, back out to Paw Paw.
1: Okay, so you went out to Paw Paw.
0: Yep, and uh, it was one of those really nice blue sky days that you're glad to be out there. I got there earlier than most, so I did get a good parking spot. And by the time I came back, the parking lot was totally full, and they were parking along the side of the road. But consistently, the visibility out there in Pawpaw is maybe five feet. So if you're looking to do video and stuff like that, it's going to be very short, you know, focus. You're going to be looking what's in front of you.
1: How's the seaweed? Is it mostly?
0: Actually, that's not bad. Um, You're going to run into it, but it's not like in the days where you had to cut your way through it. Yeah, It's not anywhere like that.
1: Didn't need your underwater Uh, machete.
0: Nope, nor my cutters. And I did not uh, see any real long tendrils of anything. Yeah, a couple of algae blooms on the bottom, uh, and you could pretty much go anywhere you wanted without getting tangled up in anything. Just again, visibility wasn't great. I mean, for if you're looking grubbing, you're fine. Uh, Not a lot of fish. You, You know, something would bump you, but again, visibility was not. You really wouldn't see it. Nice clams. No crayfish. Found the obligatory golf balls. Fish Did dive. find a couple of rocks that were broken, but I just left them there. So if you're out there and you see something that looks like a crock stuck in the sand with a handle, <laughs> <laughs> you might get lucky, and it might not be the broken ones.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's th- th- those are the heartbreakers. Pull them yeah, out, the so bottoms I, all. I love my
0: normal falling cards of stacked rocks, <laughs> of wood surrounded by the object, surrounding the object.
1: Yeah, divers from a hundred years from now will be. Seeing these underwater landmarks, thinking that intelligent <laughs> life must have.
0: Yeah, they must have lived out here or something. Yeah,
1: look at this. These that. rocks are <laughs> stacked on top of each other. It's for navigation. It's, it's pointing to the treasure. <laughs> oh. Well, we did try and get out. Uh, Jim Schultz, uh, Kevin, Dan, and myself, we went out on the get wet. Not the one in the news that sank, but uh, Jim's boat. And it's the first run for the boat this year. And uh, it got a good start. We headed up out the river. Yeah, it was the engine was missing just a little bit, but we got to the end of the pier, turned north, gunned it, and the thing stalled. <laughs> so we did some on-site troubleshooting, and Kevin was able to determine. He says, ah, "I think I think it's a, it's a car. It's the coil." So we were able to cool the coil down, get back in, replace the coil, and it, it ran much better. We got out to the pier, started to head north. And we just couldn't, there was no top end in the engine. Uh, it, it, we think it needs to have the carburetor rebuilt. So Jim's been working on that this week and rebuilding the carburetor. But we had a nice, I mean, we had two or three hours out in the water. It was enjoyable. Uh, at one point we were talking, Yeah, you know, it's like he offered to let us get in the water and do a dive. But it, at that point we want to get the, the shipwreck, the, shipwreck <laughs> the future shipwreck, no, to get the boat. Uh, in ship shape so that we're able to go and do some more diving. So just part of the first season run, which is unbelievable to have this late the year. And then there, there, here's, there's something that we may want to be aware of. Kevin is claiming that he's a Havana curse, that anytime time they're supposed to go out to the Havana and he's on the boat, it doesn't happen.
0: Huh. So ta- he's, he's developing broad shoulders and taking the blame for that. That's stuff. what he's
1: saying. Of course, he he's putting the rest of us to shame because after that didn't happen, uh, he he drove up the South Haven and then I think dove the pier, <laughs> or at least that's what he was planning on. I haven't mm-hmm. seen any posts showing that's what he's done, but he got he got diving in this week.
0: Well, it's summer, and if you're not diving now, you're sure as hell not going to dive in the winter.
1: Yeah, I've I've I'm I'm thinking we're talking about this uh, Sunday going back out to Havana. We've got two boats lined up. Yep, Bob's going to bring his boat and Jim's going to bring his. And it'd be nice to get out there.
0: Yeah, I got some fly in this weekend for, you know, pancake breakfast type items. And mm-hmm. I'm out for a few more days, I will probably do that. But next week i get back
1: in order. Yeah, let yourself uh, get in condition and then you're ready. Let's see, we've got, if you want to figure out how to listen to us, which you already are, so I'm, I'm not sure what may be up. But if you are, we recommend uh, you can download us on iTunes. Uh, keep Make sure you keep subscribed. You can go direct to talk shoe we're show 73759 and you can get a subscription there on itunes and talk shoe you can leave us those five star comments we absolutely love those mark the map mark the map mark the map yes that's very true so go to the website we have updated the website i know it's hard to believe the website has been updated i'm still doing some final tweaking but we are putting new posts of new articles that are out there. And if you get to an article and there's stuff missing, let me know and we'll fix that. It's www.scubaobsessed.com. And if you want to mark the map, and we've I think we've simplified navigation quite a bit, you go to the website, you go to the about us at the top, and you have scuba obsessed fans. If you can't find it in the menu at the top, then go all the way to the bottom. And in the footer, we have scuba obsessed fans. You You click on that, it takes you to a page, it shows you a map, you click on that, and you put a pin in it, and it lets us know where you are and where you're listening. You can put as much or as little information in it. You can use your real name, your fake name, your friend's name, somebody you don't like's name, you can put it in that map, and it will show you. We also have reset the counter on where people are visiting in real time, and kind of the little, uh, what do we call it, Easter egg is you go scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page in the lower left, and you can see how many people have visited it since we relaunched. And you can see the little lights light up, kind of like a little Christmas tree. Yellow lights are recent visits. And every day we've got people from all over the world visiting the website, reading the articles. And you've actually
0: updated the pictures of us, too.
1: The pictures of, yeah, we did the, we've updated the host bios. I'm in process. Hey, I'm surprised you didn't use the one I sent you for you. That's so good of you. It is, but it's, I'm diving. I want to be a diver, not a, a tech guy. That's the, only, that's the only problem. He, yeah. He, what Mac's referring to is he had a photo of me uh, behind the, the table in his office with a monitor and a computer and some other stuff. And I thought so, but i I for now, I think I'll stick with the one I've got. I may add or update one. Uh, and then I'm working on some of the others. I'm just just filling in the edges now. I've got uh, a list of new content, but I've got to get the basics. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm replacing uh, photos and images. Uh, I, I have the old website hidden somewhere out on the Internet, and I go to it and I grab the missing photos from there and I put it onto the new one. Uh, some of the mi- the migration tool worked pretty good, but it didn't quite get everything, so I've had to add some stuff. Also, I also had some problems with some of the, if you run into a, a podcast episode where you can't find the, the link to the podcast, let me know. But it's getting out there. It's a lot more readable. You can view it on a phone. You can view it on a tablet. You can view it on a computer. It's designed for all those formats. Um, at some point, I'll make an app for it, considering that's what I do for a living is mobile apps. You'd think I'd have one, but that's eh, down the road. You can follow us on Twitter at Scoob obsessed, and also if you like not only our program but other programs on outdoor podcasts, fishing, hunting, other things, we have the Reno Viola radio network www.renoviolaoutdoors.com, and a shout out to Rena who Rena, Rena Reno, who got married this last weekend, him and like to to congratulate him and his lovely wife Sandy, so now he's got to work. So he needs you to listen. WRVO radio.com or the Reno Viola And they also have an app. You can download his app and stream. And uh, the schedule changes up from week to week, but you can listen. And we tend to be on Thursdays at least a couple times on Thursdays and spread out through the week. You can listen to us. You got anything you want to plug, Mick? Not really.
0: Uh, we're doing pretty decent. Just get out there and dive. Uh, Give us feedback. Uh, is there topics you'd like us to talk about or topics you wouldn't like us to talk about yeah. or rant and rave about? So I'm, yeah. I'm curious what kind of thoughts and ideas you guys have about what we do.
1: Yeah, let's see. I think we had a comment. Uh, so this one was on the website. So we have commenting on the website. And keep an eye out because there are new features. I'm going to add. i got to get through this all this other stuff, and then we'll start adding the features, turning them on. And these are things you're going to like. Uh, keep an eye out for when I add the newsletter. I don't have the newsletter sign up yet. I'm still trying to negotiate with the different newsletter companies. They, they charge too much, in my opinion, to send out a, what should be almost free email. It's a cheapskate in me. Uh, but we have uh, John Nedoba. I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but flyboy is sometimes you'll see him in the chat room and he said Scoob obsessed is the be- best podcast out there darren keeps the show entertaining well mac and jim share a wealth of knowledge only years of experience could attain keep up the great work guys so thank you so much john we appreciate that and i think we are to that point of the show Ta-da-da. and i've got a lot of them and i've got even some new ones that i haven't even added to my show notes so I'm i'm trying to decide do i do i go back and and get the ones that I I don't have yet and put them in. But I think we've got some here that have been aging, and Rod sent some. The one he sent today was like, here's ones that you'll be able that you won't have to wait two weeks to decide if they can be done or not. I th- I think here's one. It's a, it's kind of appropriate. A scuba kettleboat skipper is piloting a boatload of senior divers several miles offshore in a shipwreck when he is tapped on his shoulder by an older diver who offers him a handful of peanuts, which he gratefully munches on. After about 15 minutes, the same diver taps him on the shoulder again and hands him another handful of peanuts. The diver repeats this gesture about five more times. When a diver is about to hand another batch again, he asks, Why don't you eat the peanuts yourself? The senior diver says, I can't chew them because I got no teeth. Puzzle skipper asks, Then why'd you buy them? The old senior diver replies, I just love the chocolate around them. (laughs) I
0: still like that one. (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. Only if you think about
0: it, it bothers you. (laughs)
1: It, probably some cultures, that's a delicacy. I suppose <laughs> you know, a little pre-digested, get some enzyme action going. Because it seems like it'd be a little bland. You suck all the salt off.
0: I just wonder if you chum the water afterwards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you go over the side.
0: <laughs> uh, well,
1: so, until next week, go out there and get wet, and stay safe. recording has been completed.